We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to the Bear Report Podcast as part of the Bear Report Radio Network. To the end zone, wide open, Mizell with the touchdown. Second and ten, turn around, caught. Touchdown, Tariq Cohen. Well, that's two for Daniel today. Here comes Stafford. And he's picked off, and it's going the distance. Eddie Jackson, for the fifth time in his young career, has a touchdown. He picks up the pitch instead to the end zone. Intercepted by Fuller. Cohen cuts outside, cuts outside near the first. Look at his lineman carrying the cross to put the game away. That's James Daniels. Welcome into another edition of the Bear Report Radio. Um, Joining me is co-host Aaron Lemming, another victory edition of the podcast. Aaron, how you feeling, man? Three wins in 12 days. Three wins in 12 days. It was a little bit of a break. Uh, I was in Pismo Beach here, here in California for uh, the, uh, the the Thanksgiving break. So it was, it was kind of nice, man. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, it's it was it, it's cool that they won these games, and, it, and it's cool that they're eight and three, and that everything's run, running really well. But it was also kind of nice for a little uh, little mid season break too. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess you're lucky enough. You were in a place where it's pretty good weather. Where I'm at right now, we got. Some snow, I believe it got like seven or eight inches. Some areas near me got hit harder. So, uh, yeah, I think I think your your break was a little better than mine. I can't lie. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, I don't, dude, I, I don't think we've actually had eight inches of snow in my lifetime where I live. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that doesn't sound ideal. That's for sure. <laughs> Either way, man, though the Bears. I mean, going to that game against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. The whole Trubisky injury news broke on Monday. We were kind of unsure when the Bears didn't have the practice. And Chase Daniel, man, what? Like, wow. Yeah, I uh, I, I thought he played well. I mean, there's there's no way around, though. I'm a little curious and confused, I guess. I, why are people acting like the between Chase Daniel running the offense and Trubisky running the offense. I mean, like I said, I think Chase Daniel did fine. I think he played a pretty solid game. He had no access. He had, what, one or two walkthroughs, whatever it may be. But this is a reason that you spend – I mean, they spent $7 million guaranteed on Chase Daniel this offseason. This is the reason that you bring him in because he knows the offense probably just as well as Nagy knows the offense. And he's somebody that can come in. He's a veteran. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to run an offense in general, and he can come in and pick it up. But I – like I said, I, I, I guess I'm a little conflicted here because for as nice as it is, okay, yeah, they have a, a good backup quarterback that can go out and win them games. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, you know, this was some eye-opening game uh, that, 
you know, Chase Daniel came out and played super well and all this stuff because, I mean, he played well enough, but he also missed a decent amount of throws. His lack of mobility, I think that was kind of the big thing. I think we saw how much value Trubisky's mobility brings to this offense. But I also think that Bears fans need to be extremely thankful that they were playing a four-win Lions team and not, you know, a 10-win Rams team or even a, a team like the Packers or the Vikings. Yeah, and the biggest thing you said there that I took note during the game is the importance of Mitchell Trubisky and how he can run this offense, how he can keep plays alive with his feet. Um, you didn't see a lot of the design runs or anything for Chase Daniel. He did struggle with his pocket presence at times, but I think overall he did a pretty good job. And, you know, like you said, they did bring in – they brought him in – for this exact situation, not only to be an extra voice and an extra mentor in that quarterback room, but, you know, if something were to happen to Trubisky, which it did, he's a guy that can come in and get you a win. And that's something the Bears haven't had when they've had injuries to their quarterbacks, you know, over the, what, the past 10, 15, 20 years. They haven't had a solid backup that's been able to come in, win you a game or two, and keep that momentum going. We saw it a couple years ago when, you know, Jay Cutler got hurt, broke his thumb against the Chargers and Caleb Haney came in and he stunk and it cost it cost of the playoffs that team was rolling they were also I believe seven and three coming off that Sunday afternoon win and after that it was all downhill but we don't know how much we're going to get of Daniel moving forward um because we'll, we'll talk about that coming up with the Giants preview um and you know and our thoughts on that but man how about that defense and and, and in particular how about Eddie Jackson the guy gets the crucial, just baits Matthew Stafford into making that throw, and, and he made Stafford pay in a, in, in a big way. Well, I think we what we saw on this on Thanksgiving was the fact that they were obviously not the same team. They were tired. Uh, it, it was very evident that they played on Sunday night, and they turned back around and played on Thursday. I understand people kind of got after me. Maybe I ordered the tweet a little poorly uh, when I said, oh, it looks like the Bears are playing on 84 hours of rest or 88, whatever it was. And a lot of people saw, well, you know, the the Lions pretty much did the same thing. And I agree. But I guess my disdain for Thursday games in general kind of showed that day. But I think when you when you look at the overall performance, I don't think they came out flat by any means. I actually think that the defense played relatively well, uh, I'd say, for most of the first half. And and the thing that, at least for me, that, that kept sticking to me the entire second half was like, okay, Chase Daniels playing well enough for them to win. They're not really turning the ball over. They're not making a ton of mistakes. But it feels like a turnover is going to win them the game. And for as tired as the Bears' defense looked, I mean, LeGarrette Blunt came into that game averaging .76 yards per carry over his last four games. He went off for over 80 yards, and he had the two touchdowns. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, the defense is going to have to make a play. And I think what we saw on on Thanksgiving was the fact that the Bears' defense – is really good. Probably, well, I should say probably. They are the best defense. I'm tired of dancing around that. They are the best defense in the league right now. And the reason that they're the best defense in the league is because they have so many different ways that they can beat you defensively, just defensively in general. They can shut you down like they did against the the, the Vikings, or they can come out and they can they can bludgeon you to death with turnovers. And obviously, they didn't have any turnovers until the fourth quarter, but. I mean, we're talking about this is a defense that has lacked playmakers for pretty much as long as I can remember since Lubby Smith left. And now you have guys that are getting sacks, Khalil Mack, uh, you know, obviously Akeem Hicks. You got all these guys in the front seven. Everybody's talking about the front seven. And then all of a sudden you start looking at the secondary and you have a guy like Eddie Jackson, who I would say it's safe to say at this point that he is probably the Bears best safety since round. And I mean, he's playing at an extremely high level this year. And you go back and you watch that play, and I won't lie, I was sitting there watching the game on TV, and I had my phone up, and of course, you know, uh, I looked down at my phone to look and see what time it was, and of course, right then and there, Brad Biggs, about 15 to 20 seconds before before the play happened on TV, sends out a tweet saying, Eddie Jackson, you know, pick six or whatever, so... I went back and I watched a few times, right? I'm watching this play, and if he knew right away that this is exactly where he was going with the ball, read it perfectly, and I mean, that's play, and that's the thing, like, and that's what we're talking about with this defense is, okay, they didn't really play all that well. I thought they were tired, and I think that's the main reason they didn't play that well. But the fact is, when they needed, when the team needed them the most, they came up with a pick six from Eddie Jackson, and then Kyle Fuller has an interception in the end zone to seal the deal. I mean, this is just the kind of defense this is. They don't have to shut you down completely for four quarters in order to beat you. 
they can they can bludgeon you with turnovers, whether that's forced fumbles or interceptions. They're on pace for I think it's twenty six or twenty seven interceptions, which uh, at least from what I was reading today would actually be a NFL record. Yeah, and I thought they did a good job overall of, of limiting Matthew Stafford in the passing game. They did let LeGarrette Blount kind of run all over him, and it, and you know down at the end when after Jackson got the interception and Stafford was driving, um, it did it kind of felt like you know here's a moment where you can step up, you can finish a game right here. And to me, I don't know if I, I can't speak for every Bears fan, but to me it felt like here we go again. Like they're gonna run a play, LeGarrette Blount will be a draw player. They're going to find, they're going to get in the end zone. And they, I believe on that drive, they did have a pass that hit the tight end and right in the helmet. Uh, Cause he tripped, which it might've been a touchdown, but it just kind of felt like, okay, here's a drive where, you know, they, they got their chance to put the stamp on the game and it didn't really start off well. Cause Stafford marched them down the field. And then you kind of got that feeling like, Oh, here we go again. We're going to go to overtime. Can chase Daniel lead the game winning drive. And then Kyle Fuller happens, and say what you want, yeah, okay, he might have been a might have been called for the bump, um, but he did come up with a big play, and he came up with a play to, to seal this game. And then you go down the and the Bears on offense run it three straight times. They struggle the first two times, and and if not for a heads up play by James Daniels, the Lions probably get the ball back again. Well, I think yeah, and that's kind of the thing that. There was a lot of people this this last week before the game that were like, oh, it's not a big deal. Trubisky's not going to play it. Just run the ball a lot. And I think it's time, and this is really, I, honestly, this is really the only negative that I can really say with the Bears season. I don't even think it's really going to be that big of an impact for them. The Bears do not have a good running game. And when you take Mitchell Trubisky out of the equation at quarterback, you really do not have a running game. And it's... It's getting to a point, and I've said this for a while, and I continue to feel this way. I don't think Jordan Howard's a good fit for this offense. I really don't. I don't think Matt Nagy's doing a very good job of uh, adapting to Jordan Howard's style with the outside zone stuff, more shotgun runs, you know, so on and so forth. But it's getting to a point where you you almost just don't expect any bare running back to go over 50 yards at this point. I think Tariq Cohen's a good weapon. I think that he needs to learn at some point that he has got to stop stretching it out uh, to the sideline and actually cut up field at some point. But I think overall, when you look at it, I, I just think this is where the Bears offense is right now. And and that's why I think that the the value of Trubisky is so big for this offense. But now, and I'm not saying that he's playing at a Pro Bowl level or anything crazy like that. But what I am saying is that he gives you so many different threats and so many different ways to beat defenses with. And I think that this is, at least for me, and, and I'm not trying to push any narrative because I, it, this is just something I feel. This is, it's, it's not something I'm trying to create here. But I, I really do think that Thursday's game was an eye-opener. And it really showed, it, for me, it really showed that what Trubisky does within the offense, the level of athleticism that he has, to, you know, getting out of the pocket and plays downfield his arm whatever it may be I think that this should give Bears fans a lot of hope moving forward that that he offense and I think Matt Nagy but I I do think that this marriage that they have is going to be big but I mean the overall takeaway at least for me with this game is, is simple the the offense didn't really play that well they they played well enough when they needed to the running game wasn't there but the one thing that the Bears are going to continue to be able to rely upon all year is the fact that their defense is going to make plays when they need to make them. And I mean, here's the thing: they're eight and three, man. They're eight and three. They're, I would say, comfortably they need to win two more games to make it to the playoffs. But I mean, their playoff odds uh, in every site that you look at, whether that's ESPN, whether it's Football Outsiders, uh, whether it's uh, whether the five or. 358 or 538, whatever it is. I can't remember. Seven, whatever. I, I, maybe you know. It's the prediction website. His odds are over 90% right now. So the Bears, because of that win, because of, and that's a big win. It's not, I, I'm not going to put it on the same level as the Vikings. And I mean, the B8 and 3, you put yourself in a really good position. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to touch on from that Lions game that, you know, it's been kind of a common theme for us all season long and, and you got you made a good point about the run game and Jordan Howard not being a fit. Yeah, I see the same thing because yeah, the Bears are averaging over I believe it's 135 yards per game on the ground. But you take Mitchell Trubisky out of that and they are I think just below ninety or eighty five yards um per game on the ground. 
which is just it, it, that's bad, and that's not going to be able to win you games late in the season. And at some point, they're going to have to turn to that run game, whether it's in the beginning of the game when the passing game is struggling, or like they were trying to do on Thursday, close out the game in the, in the two minute drive, and you need to pick up a first down. It's just it hasn't happened yet, and. You know, Matt Nagy can say, yeah, well, we'll, we'll find a role for Jordan Howard. Yeah, we're going to get him the ball. And and he seems confident in doing so. But it's been, you know, what, 11 games, 12 weeks, and we haven't seen anything to show us any positive signs that, number one, Jordan Howard could be a factor right now. Number two, Jordan Howard could help you close out games right now. And number three, Jordan Howard's going to have a big role in this offense moving forward. I know it's going to be a hot topic going into this offseason. I don't see Jordan Howard with this team next year. I do see if Ryan Pace does want to get one of those draft picks back, kind of get into the second round, maybe he does unload Jordan Howard to a team that's willing to give up a second-round pick. Um, But then you create a need in the draft, but it's not as big of a need if if you draft a guy that could actually fit your system. So we'll see what happens with that, but... Let's move. Let's move forward to, to today's news. As we're recording Wednesday, Trubisky still has the uh, sore right shoulder, and you know Matt Nagy isn't revealing a lot. He's still calling him day to day. He says it's not a long term injury, but the Bears did list him as limited today at practice, kind of opening up the door a little bit to maybe he will play Sunday. As it stands now, I don't think he's going to play personally. I know you don't think he's going to play personally. Can Chase Daniel get it done? Um, I, you know, I, logic says, yes, he can. He's going to have basically a full week of actual practice where he's going to be able to get things down. Uh, and really a lot of that's going to come down to just, you know, basic communication, whether that's with his offensive line, whether that's with his receivers or whatever it may be. I definitely think that that's going to help. But historically speaking, when you go back and you look at, Backup quarterbacks that start one game and then end up starting another one or whatever it is. Usually, the first or the second game, there's there's, there's usually a drop off. And I I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like with the with the Giants coming up, I actually think the Giants currently the way that they're playing, I think the Giants are a slightly better team uh, than the Lions are, just for the simple fact that I think they have a better offense, uh, not as good of a quarterback, but I think they have better weapons around them. So. I don't know that the Bears can afford to have Chase Daniel play at any, and I'm not saying he played at a low level because I think he played pretty well. Uh, all things considered, I'd, I'd say probably you know B B plus if if you're giving him a grade. But I don't think the Bears can afford for him to play worse than he did or at a lower level than he did this last week and expect to win the game. What do you think? Yeah, and you don't want to get into a situation where, okay, it's going to take two defensive touchdowns or a defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown. Um, if he does play worse, the I think the Giants are better than the Lions offensively. I think they can take advantage, you know, if they if they are given extra pos- possessions and are hanging around in the game. I mean, you're talking about one of the best wide receivers in Odell Beckham Jr. and a, and a rookie who looks like he's going to be a star in this league in Saquon Barkley. So... You know, if, if Daniel does come out and he struggles, the Bears could be in trouble on Sunday. Um, I don't see that happening. I think Daniel can sustain it sustain it like he did in Detroit, do enough for you to win. But, you know, we're going to be, look, can they get the ground game going? Can they rush against a, what is not a good rush defense in the Giants? Um, or are we going to be looking at a, a defense that's going to have to take over for the Bears and going to have to get those two scores? Because, well, nothing's really showing us anything that, that Tariq Cohen's going to bring anything back, and Mazel doesn't look like he's going to bring a kick back. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is obviously it's a big game for the Bears. I mean, the, the chance to at least hold that one-and-a-half game lead over the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I want to talk a little long-term. I know, you know, it, it, there's not really much out there that suggests, okay, Trubisky, you know, might miss more than this Giants game or, or moving forward. And in all signs do point if he doesn't play this week to coming back against the Rams. Do you see anything, or is there any slight chance, maybe a sliver, that this is actually a serious injury and, and Matt Nagy's just, I guess, not really fully telling us everything? Well, I think it, it's one of those situations where anytime your starting quarterback goes down, I think there's concern, especially when you're talking about a sore shoulder. Keep in mind, you know, for everybody listening, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so they have had one practice. 
I I 100% agree with you. I don't think he's going to play on Sunday either. But I think the fact that he was limited and at least out on the field uh, is is at least showing that there's definitely some progression there. Matt Nagy said today that uh, you know his his arrow was trending up. So I think this is more of one of those situations that we continue to see with the Bears in their big players with injuries is, hey, we're going to take it slow with these guys. And I don't, we, you know, we don't care if they play, how bad they want to play. We're going to do what's best for this franchise, and especially when you're talking about a quarterback. I mean, it, it makes sense. I, I think in terms of long term, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. Uh, my, my immediate concern would be, okay, I think that the game against the Giants is winnable. At the same time, the other thing that a lot of people don't seem to be taking in consideration is, okay, so let's say you sit him this week, and then he comes out the full week of practice next week against the Rams. So you're saying, okay, he just took two games off, and now you're going to throw him against probably, I'd say, the second-best team in the NFL, because I still think the Saints are the best team in the NFL. But I think you the second-best team in the Rams, and you're going to say, all right, man, you're at home. Uh, it's going to be really cold outside. You're on a national stage playing against a really, really good team. The defense may not be that great, but they are getting a keep to lead back. Have fun. And that, you know, after two weeks, I think there's, I think there's a little risk in itself in that, not from an injury standpoint, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm kind of getting off on a tangent there, but I, I think in terms of long term, uh, even looking towards you know the last four or five games of the season, I don't think it's a big concern. If he if he doesn't play this week, then I think he's going to play next week, uh, and I think that kind of speaks to their long term philosophy in terms of injuries in general. But I do think that this this Giants game is a little bit bigger than maybe some people are making out to be. Maybe I'm making too big of a difference, but incorrect. Here, okay, so if the Bears go to nine and three, you're basically saying, okay, you've got to win one more game for the rest of the season. You've got the Rams and the uh, and the Packers coming up at home before you go to the 49ers. 49ers should be a win. The 49ers are terrible. They got a lot of injuries. I don't care if that's on the road. That's a game that they should win. But as far as looking at the playoff picture and what it currently sits at, if the Bears go, let's just say three and two the rest of the way out, they're going to win 11 games, and without a question, at least. Out of question, they're going to win the division. They'll be the three seed. Does that seem pretty plausible to you at this point? Yeah, and I, I kind of look at it the way you're looking at it. With this Giants game is pretty big because you know there are these, there is this three game stretch coming up where you know you're on the road against the Giants and you're home for your final two home games of the year. But looking at it now, I I, I don't see the Bears beating the Rams um, unless the conditions are just god awful and LA just can't play in those conditions. I think the Rams are obviously the better team. Um, as of now, I'd have to chalk that up as a loss. But the game after that, Green Bay, so if you lose to the Giants, like we were saying, and, and then you lose to the Rams, that Green Bay game becomes huge. And, and it, it doesn't matter what the Vikings do this week against the Patriots because either way, the Vikings will still be in if the Bears lose their next two. Um, obviously, that San Francisco game is huge. It's a road game. I think... Right now, I'm the Bear. I think the Bears are going to win, but it is a road game late in the season, so anything can happen. The, the 49ers are likely going to be playing for pride anyway. Um, but then you have that Week 17 showdown, and as much as you know, maybe NBC or Fox or whoever's going to get that game wants it to be for first place in the NFC North. If you're a Bears fan, you want everything clean. You at least want a playoff spot clinch. Whether it's a wild card, you're going in for the division. Okay, but if it's solely for just one playoff spot. I don't feel comfortable with that just yet. So, yeah, this is a big one. You know, the way if you could get to nine and three, and then if somehow the Vikings do lose to the Patriots, you're holding a two and a half game lead with four to go, and you're pretty much in the driver's seat. Well, and that's kind of the thing is when you look at, and this is kind of when I'm looking at this, I look at it two different ways. And maybe it's a best case scenario and a worst case scenario, because really that's kind of how my mind works most of the time. I mean, Zach, you know that a lot. <laughs> A lot of people who interact with me know that. Uh, but so here's the thing: if, if the Bears go nine and three, then they have games against the, you know, they'll, they'll have games against the, the Rams and then the Packers. Uh, and the reality of the situation is this: okay, I and I'm with you on the Rams. I, I don't think the I, I think the Bears can beat the Rams. I, I think that the Rams are a better team, and ultimately, I think the Rams are going to find a way to win that game just because I think they're that good. But I think when you look at uh, the next game, and that's kind of my main focus right now when I'm looking at these these next few games, 
there's a very good chance that the Packers are going to be I, – I would say their season is close to being over right now. With one more loss, it is absolutely over. But I think that right now when you look at it, I think with their upcoming schedule, they have a cakewalk of a schedule. Uh, I mean, Atlanta maybe, depending on what, what kind of team Atlanta is by that point. I mean, we've seen them go from really bad to pretty dang good to really bad again. So I don't know how that will work out. But outside of the Atlanta game, I mean, the Bears are the only other decent team on their schedule. There's a pretty good chance that they they could be going in that game six six and one with an outside shot of a playoff spot on nine games. It'd be nine six and one, and they'd still have to have some help. Have uh, the the Patriots coming up, and then they in both these games they have the Patriots and Seattle coming up. So I mean, conceivably they could go zero and two. I think likely they'll go one and one uh we'll have to see how that works out but the bears have a situation where if they win let's say the 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 vikings lose and you're two and a half games up even if green bay wins you're still three and a half up on green bay at this point you're in a really good position now if you turn around and you lose that game and you're eight and four you're going into the rams game let's just assume that once again minnesota loses but then they they split with you know and they they beat seattle so and let's say that you somehow lose the game of the Rams. Well, I shouldn't say somehow. You're probably going to lose that game of the Rams. Now you're looking at an 8-5 and five team that has a half a game lead in the division, right? And then you've got a team in the Packers who all of them from three and a half games out to a game and a half out with their season on the line at that situation. And now you've got a big game against the Green Bay Packers when the Green Bay Packers should have been dead. So, I, I like I said, I mean, this is assuming that, you know, they, they somehow they lose to the Rams. But I think that's why this game is so The difference between 9-3 and three and 8-4 may not be huge, but it's bigger when you look at who they're playing immediately after these two games. I mean, yes, they're going to be home games, but I've always thought if the Bears can get out of that stretch one and one, they'd be in good shape. And I think they absolutely will be as long as they're nine and three. But if you're if you're talking eight and four going on those two games and you're looking at nine and five, and that's assuming they they beat one of those two teams, I mean that's 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 where things kind of start getting a little uncomfortable. I think this game is 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 somewhat big, but and I, and I do think they're gonna take care of business. I mean, we'll we'll get to the preview here in a minute, but I think the Bears are in the driver's seat. I think ultimately they, they're really, historically speaking, they're really going to have to screw this up in order not to make the playoffs. But I do think that there's a little bit more value in this Giants game for the playoff race than people are making it out to be. Yeah. Well, personally, I think we're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of flack on, oh, you're jinxing them, and, oh, man, you know, you guys are sending us into panic mode. I, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to just map it out, the importance of this game, and – what it does mean for the Bears because, I mean, no one really expected them to be in this position to win the division. I thought, you know, going into the season, okay, just make it interesting in December. Give me something to watch for. Give me, you know, I want to keep paying attention more and more. Um, but I never thought, you know, man, man, this team could win the division. And the thing with the Packers is until they're dead, they still scared the crap out of me just because they have Aaron Rodgers. And I know there's a lot that needs to happen. They have definitely have to win out. And if you look at their schedule, like you said, their schedule is not really that tough to close out the year. They very well could win out. Um, they do need a lot of other things to happen. But, I mean, it'd just be nice for the Bears to be able to not only end Green Bay's season in that upcoming game, but also maybe clinch the NFC North, or at least at the minimum, clinch a playoff spot at Soldier Field. Well, and and to kind of cap this this playoff talk off with a little bit of optimism, like I said, I think the Bears are going to be completely fine. I mean, this is not to, uh, you know, ramp anybody up thinking, oh, God, you know, this team's about to collapse. I don't think they are. I really, I really don't. I think they're going to come out and they're going to win this Sunday. I think they're going to lose next next Sunday night. It may be a close game, but I'm not that concerned and I'm prepared for that. But here's the thing, okay? So the Bears, if you're looking at in terms of magic numbers, I guess you could say, uh, you know, the the magic number for the Bears uh, to to clinch the division at this point is four, which means the Bears need to win. You know, a combination of the Bears need to win two, the Lions or the Lions. Well, no, Lions are way out of it. Uh, the Vikings need to lose two, uh, and it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that 
that could happen within the next two games. I mean, that's that's really the earliest that the Bears can clinch. Now, and this is kind of something that you brought up, you know, a little bit earlier. In at least in my ideal situation, I think it would be absolutely awesome for the Bears to, you know, let's just basically they go one and one in these next two games, and the Vikings go one and one in these next two games, and all of a sudden you're in a situation where the Bears can actually clinch the division and a playoff spot simultaneously against the Green Bay Packers at home against Aaron Rodgers. And I think that would be awesome. But I, I mean, the, the reality is simple. If the bears win two of their next five games, which I think is very, very realistic at this point, I'd actually be a little concerned if they went in two and three in their last five games. into the playoffs. But if they win two games, I think that everything else is going to take care of itself uh, for them. And I mean, that's just talking to the division. I mean, it, it, when you look at the wild card, there's a lot of teams right now that are grouped up at six and five, that are going to be very lucky to get to 10 wins. So I think because of their conference uh, their conference record and how things have played out, even their division record, I think they have a very good chance, uh, even if it was 9-7, to where they can get in the playoffs. Obviously, that's not ideal, and that would mean one win for the rest of the season. don't think that's going to happen. But when you're looking for the next few weeks, obviously nothing will happen this week. Uh, but, I mean, depending on how things go, if everything goes in the Bears' favor like it has been as of late, I mean, they could clinch a playoff spot as early as next Sunday night. Yeah, and that's also the thing. I mean, you got to look at the tiebreakers. The Bears do own the tiebreaker over Seattle, but currently with Seattle and Minnesota are the only two head-to-head tiebreakers they hold. If it did come down to you know the conference, they're in good shape because, like you said, if they get to that 10-win mark, I think they're in at the, as a wild card at minimum. And 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 the rest of the NFC is going to kind of beat each other up. And Carolina, I think, has the Saints twice. Um yeah, twice left in the final. They actually get them twice in the final three weeks of the season, which yeah, is just they, brutal. They have a tough schedule, man. And they, they haven't been playing good at all. Lately. That's what I'm saying. I mean, everything is trending in a great way for the Bears right now. Yeah, it's trending in a way where the Bears you know, could host a playoff game uh, coming up in the first weekend of the playoffs, and it could be you know, a team like Seattle or possibly Carolina or even you know the Vikings will pull it off or maybe – Washington or Dallas, because uh, the NFC East is just, God, that's its own whole separate podcast right now. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get into so uh, let's get into our interview. And now joining the show is a special guest, Dan Schneier. He covers the New York Giants for twenty four seven Sports. Um, he's joining Aaron and I. He's going to give us a little insight here on the Giants. Dan, welcome in. Hey guys, how you doing today? Good, good. Just uh, we're prepping for. Uh, a big game for the Bears coming up on Sunday. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for the Giants. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let, let's let's get right in it. Um, you know, the Giants this year obviously they've struggled three and eight. What has been the main problem? I mean, this is a team that the main problem if you want to know is that <laughs> in eleven draft classes under Jerry Reese, their form, former general manager, they have the least draft picks remaining in the NFL. So, I mean, this is a team that needed way more than one year to rebuild the roster. Um, so in general, if you ask me, you can blame it on the coaching if you want. You can find little things to nitpick at. Obviously, the quarterback play has not been great. but And the offensive line, you can say the same thing. But in general, it's a roster with just too many holes across the board. So I'm curious to get your take here because I know, you know obviously going into the draft, they had uh, they had their choice between either Sam Darnold or Saquon Barkley. They took Saquon Barkley. Uh, kind of seeing that maybe Eli Manning really is done. Now, what was your take on it? I mean, do you do you think it was a good move taking a guy like Barkley and then taking your chances uh, in the draft this next year, having a high draft pick, but maybe not quite as good of a draft class? Oh, no, I don't at all. And you can go back and look. I kind of became the face of, I guess, Josh Rosen to the Giants Twitter during draft season because I was a big fan of Rosen. I thought he was the quarterback one, him and Mayfield up there with Darnold. And I thought the Giants should have went for one of the three. Um, I still think that decision might have not been in their favor. Obviously, right now with Darnold and Rosen currently struggling, though then again, they're rookies. And if you look back, rookie rookie quarterbacks with bad offensive lines and bad rosters don't tend to do too well. So I still am not sure they made the right decision. But, yeah, for me, it was always the same. And honestly, when you see some, some of the success of even guys like Nick Chubb and Philip Lindsay this season as rookie running backs, it's harder and harder to see the argument from the sense of, okay, the positional value versus the overall value of the player. Cause Barkley was the best player in the draft. So it's tough. I guess that's a, that's the final way of saying it. 
Yeah, and, and you know, so far through the eleven games, Barkley has looked really good. I think he's close to fifteen hundred yards um, from scrimmage, and he's pretty much been <laughs> everything as advertised. And yeah, um, but you know, Sunday it's going to be a tough test for him because the Bears' defense—they're number two in rushing yards allowed per game. They've only allowed four rushing touchdowns this entire season, and one of them was a blowout to uh, at the end of a blowout to the um, Bills, and I think the other three might have been towards the, when the games were out of hand anyway. So what are the Giants going to have to do with Barkley, and where can he be you know, the most dangerous in Sunday's game? Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants have to get back to what they were doing in weeks um, 10 and 11 against the Buccaneers and the 49ers, and that's using more 21 and 12 personnel. So what the Giants got away from their loss to the Eagles was the 21 and 12 personnel, and that just means two tight ends, two receivers, or a tight, or, I'm sorry, a running back and a fullback, and a two, two, two receivers, one tight end. And what this heavy personnel packages do is it allows the Giants to get a run game going early and base their passing game off the play action. When they've been able to do that, Barkley's been tough to stop. Um, two weeks ago, he talked about how he changed his pacing to the line of scrimmage, which is basically his way of saying that he was too patient at the beginning of the season. And now his running style is to just attack downhill. And it worked against the Eagles. And then the Giants kind of went away from it in the second half. They didn't use the heavy personnel. They went to 11 personnel. They started throwing the ball a lot getting penalties and falling behind in the chain. So really it's staying ahead of the sticks and staying in heavy personnel packages that favor Barkley in the running game. And I think they can get it going. Well, he just talked about how, how they had done things a little differently over the last three games outside of uh, this last Sunday. And I'm kind of curious to get your take because I mean, I, I watched the giants a little bit on uh, the beginning of the season. Obviously they struggled, um, but now it, it seems like they've kind of got things figured out. Obviously, you know, it was kind of a letdown loss against the Eagles this past weekend, but they've been playing a lot better football. Seems like their offense is getting going. What's been different from these last few games uh, from the start of the season when they really struggled? Yeah, I think the major difference is two things. One, the offensive line is starting to play a little bit better. The addition of Jamon Brown at right guard has really helped stabilize them. But more importantly, Will Hernandez is getting used to playing next to Sp- uh, Spencer Pulley and next to Nate Solder, and there's just more continuity there. But also, I think it took time for Eli Manning to actually learn and become more comfortable in this offense after four years in Ben McAdoo's offense, which is completely different from Pat Shermer's in the sense that Manning's whole goal was to snap the ball and get rid of it right away. And back McAdoo's offense, trying to guess where the defense is going to shift, but in Shermer's offense, it's not the same and it took him a while, but now he looks more comfortable in it. But you know, in the end you still see it against the Eagles when the offense shut down in the second half, they have too many bouts of just bad penalties, falling behind the sticks, bad sacks. And, and it, the offense just can't stay on track basically. You know, from an outsider's look, I don't really catch a lot of Giants games. Um, but I, I am a big Odell fan because I do think he's one of the most talented wide receivers, you know, we've ever seen in the game. But it seems to me like anything he does just blows up the national media. Part of that is, you know, big network with New York. And part of it is some of the dumb things he has done. But what is, you know, from a Giants standpoint, what is the future with Odell? Obviously, they signed him to a contract. Is it just ride it out and hope, you know, he's here for when the team is actually good or? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the Odell narrative is a little bit just kind of misguided and there's not too much to back it up, I don't think. I mean, there are times where you you look at some of the comments that he says and you see him in articles or in headlines and whatnot. But when you actually look back and you listen to the interview, you can tell that, uh, it's kind of just coming out in a way that may be taken out of context. Because for me, what I look for with Odell is how his teammates view him. And from his teammates is overwhelmingly positive. From the coaches, it hasn't been the same with Ben McAdoo and a little bit with Pat Shermer. But I think that's just kind of his personality. And you take the good with the bad, I think, if you're the Giants. If you have a generational receiver, which is exactly what he is, and they're really hard to find, especially if you look back at recent first-round draft classes at the wide receiver position, there's been a lot of busts. So... I just think there's really no trade you can, value you can get from him. You just have to ride it out. And when the Giants are winning, I think those storylines will go away. Well, you mentioned uh, first-round receiver busts, and Bears fans know a lot about that with Kevin White. Obviously a little, little different of a situation than, than most. But, yeah, it's it's definitely that's, that's still a little bit of a sore spot. So I, I hear you there. I think the, the draft class, especially that Dale came out of any – way was was a great one and i think that was one of the last ones that was really that good and i think we've kind of seen a few uh downturns in that in that regard but i'm looking at this game and i'm looking at matchups and i'm looking at especially from the Bears' standpoint i i think that this is a good matchup for them because at least looking at numbers like i said i haven't watched a lot of the giants so this is this is why we have you on and hope 
hopefully, you know, if I'm saying anything wrong, you can correct me here. So I'm looking at the trench game for the most part. I, I, I'm seeing that the Giants have 14 sacks on the season. I'm also seeing that the Bears, you know, obviously really haven't given up that many sacks, but they're probably going to be playing with their backup, Chase Daniel. And I look at the other side, and I see that the Giants have given up a lot of sacks. And I see, obviously, you know, the, the Bears have done a very good job getting after the quarterback with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and everybody else. So do you think that there is a way that the Giants are going to be able to, I guess, stop these exploited matchups and, and, and be able to match up good against the Bears? No. In short, no. Um, for a longer answer, I think that you're spot on. This is a terrible matchup for the Giants and an excellent one for the Bears. The Giants on as a whole as the on defense, when I talk about a team that need that's going to that you know that needs a long way that has a long way to go, I'm talking about their defense. Once they traded Damon Harrison, their run defense has been trampled on and they can't get off the field without Harrison there in the nose uh tip, holding down the middle, the best run stopper in the NFL, traded away to the Lions. Um so they've been exploited on the ground. Bears are going to get yardage there. At the second level, and this, by the way, we still haven't even mentioned the impact uh, that Khalil Mack's going to make. But anyway, at the second level of the Giants' defense, back to that side of the ball, they have linebackers who can't really function well with misdirection. They're not good in one-on-one coverage. So the Bears are going to exploit that in Matt Nagy's offense. Um, so really, any way you look at it. And then once you get Khalil Mack against Chad Wheeler, the Giants' starting right tackle, who's graded out as one of the worst right tackles in the NFL this season— that's when you really start to see where this game just is going to get out of hand fast. I don't really see the Giants staying competitive in this one unless they can get the ground game going. But even then, the defense is just not there right now. So pretty much, I guess, what you're saying is the only way the Giants are going to win is if pretty much the Bears kind of shoot themselves in the foot and, you know, Saquon Barkley goes off then. I think that's fair. And I think the chances of the Bears shooting themselves in the foot is higher with um, Chase Daniel in there. But again... Chase Daniel in his seconds, if Chase Daniel does play, we obviously we don't know that right now. It's only Wednesday night. But even if Chase Daniel does play, I think in his second start, he's going to look a lot better. Just I think that's the nature of the game. He's going to have more reps in practice. Uh, he's going to be more comfortable with the players he's throwing to, more chemistry, everything like that. So, yes, I would agree with your overall statement there. I think that's the only way. Well, and I think, you know, I guess if you look at the Trubisky situation or the Chase Daniel situation, I mean, I – I think I could pretty well confidently say right now I'd be pretty shocked to see Trubisky. And I think that's the big factor, at least for me, when I look at this game is if you're, you know, if both teams are full strength or more the point if the Bears have Trubisky, I think that this is a game that absolutely could get away from the Giants. But I do think that, I mean, this is the second game, the, the second road game the Bears have played in two weeks. Right. Uh, they're coming off somewhat of an extended bye week, whatever it may be, which is a whole different scenario. But it's... It's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, if there was one matchup that you think that the Giants could exploit maybe outside of the running game, something that they could do defensively uh, to get to the Bears' offense, what do you think it would be? Right. I mean, listen, it does feel a little trappy. I'm not going to deny that. I won't take that away from it at all. I mean, the Giants are a team that, by the way, hasn't really been blown out. In, they were blown out in the game against the Eagles earlier this season. Um, that was really the only game that was completely out of hand for them. And every other game, they were pretty much competitive, um, even all the way through the fourth quarter. So there is trap feel to it. But if they're, if you're looking just for matchups, uh, outside of Saquon Barkley, it's really tough to, to, to see on the Giants' offensive side of the ball, especially if Everett Ingram doesn't play. And he's not planning, and it doesn't look like he's going to play. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So really, I feel like there, there's a way to scheme against Odell. I mean, if listen, if the Bears put Odell in one-on-one coverage, sure, that that then the game could get out of hand. But I don't see that happening. Um, do you do you see? Is that how Vic? Fan, I don't really. I'm not too familiar with how Fangio's planning to play Odell. Do you know how he's planning to play him? I would say we're probably going to see a little bit of both. Uh, you yeah. know, man on man to man or zone coverage. The thing with the Bears is, I mean. They're probably going to put Kyle Fuller on them, and even if they don't, you know, if, if Prince Mukamura gets matched up on them, that's that's still not a bad second option. No, well, not think, at all. I, I think too that when you when you look at what Vic Fangio's done this year, a lot of what he's done in the secondary has been his disguises with the safeties. So I think that's really going to be kind of that's been a big factor for the Bears all year. I think Kyle Fuller's played well. Uh, same with uh, Bryce Callahan. Prince Mukamura's been all right, but where they've really had a lot of their turnovers. I mean, they have 20 interceptions in leading the league right now is, is because of guys like Eddie Jackson and what what they're able to do to opposing quarterbacks. Now, obviously, that's going to be a little bit different because Eli Manning may not be as good as he was, 
But at the same time, he's still a veteran and he's still a very smart quarterback. So I think that I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting of a matchup than a lot of people think. I think it's going to be a close game overall. Uh, do you have any uh, overall uh, predictions of what the game might be? Any keys to the game? I mean, I won't give a prediction because I feel like it would be uh, too insensitive to Giants fans right now who might be suffering through the season. But I, I mean, keys to the game, I would say, just as kind of what we outlined earlier, you know. Got to keep the ball. If the Giants want to win this game, they have to keep the ball in Barkley's hands. They have to shorten the game. They're going to have to win the turnover battle, something they have they got crushed on the, pat, the uh, against the Eagles in that loss. So, you know, if all those things go right, then sure, they could they can pull off the upset at home. Because I will say this, if the Giants do get out to an early lead against the Bears, the home crowd will rally around for the game at this at this stage of where the season's at, looking for any hope. So, so yeah, I guess that would be the keys of the game. Get 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 up early with Barkley, and then keep the the ball out of the Bears' hands. Well, uh, thanks, Dan, for joining us again, man. That was some really good stuff. Some great insight on uh, the Bears' upcoming opponent, the New York Giants. Uh, where can they follow you on Twitter at? Uh, thanks, guys, and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Dan Schneier NFL, um, and that's that's where you can find most of my work. Perfect. Thanks, man. We'll uh, talk again soon. And welcome back. That was our interview with Giants writer Dan Schneier, who covers them for 24-7 Sports. Uh, does a good job. That was a great interview. Gave us some good insight on the upcoming matchup, Saquon Barkley, Odell, what the Bears need to do. So, um, yeah, we'll see if Sunday is indeed a trap game or if the Bears can hold it off to, no matter who is that quarterback. Um, you know, getting into this game, Aaron, I want to get your initial thoughts, maybe a key, a very big key for you and how you think the Bears can win this game. Well, I think it's going to do a lot offensively. Uh, for me, I, I think it really comes down to the fact that it's probably going to be Chase Daniel. I think we both feel that way. I think we both established that at this point. I think big part is going to be protecting him. The Giants have 14 sacks on the season. So it, in terms of matchups, like we just talked about with with our guests, is the fact that the, the Giants' defense has not been very good. At passer rating, they've been about average, but they're not getting the quarterback very much, and they're giving up a lot of rushing yards. So... When a lot of people are sitting here, you know, talking about the last few weeks where, you know, the Bears should get the running game going. And I, I don't think they're going to have a huge running game by any means. But I think that this is a situation where they can run inside zone, which is what they've been doing almost all year. And it can be effective because they don't have Damon Harrison in the middle anymore. And that's kind of the thing. This th- That's the difference between the Lions and why I didn't think that they would be able to get a good running game going against the Lions versus a, a team like the Giants where – you know, establish at least a decent running game. I'm not asking for anything crazy. I'm not asking even for a 100-yard game from Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen. All I'm saying is get a decent running game to where you can rely on that a little bit to keep yourself ahead of the sticks, to be able to pick up some short yardage in key situations on third down, whatever it may be. And like I said, just protect the quarterback. I think if they can do that, uh, the the Giants don't have – they have a lot of so-so players players on the on the defensive side of the ball i think the bears defense is going to hold up its end of the bargain uh but i think that it's really about exploiting matchups for the bears i mean that's just kind of where i'm at right now uh i guess for a a score prediction while i'm at it and you know you can have at it and as well but i'm going to go ahead and say i I think this one's going to be 27 uh 20 bears i like it i like it um yeah i'm going to go to the other side of the ball, and I'm going to look at how the Bears can contain Saquon Barkley because we all know, yeah, he's a big threat in the rushing game. Um, close, to, I think he has over 800 yards rushing so far this year, and he's been just fantastic. But he's also a big threat in the receiving game out of the backfield and is someone that Eli Manning likes to go to. And in terms of checkdowns, it's not really a checkdown because he's a damn good wide receiver that can exploit mismatches. Um, he racks up the yards after catch. He's close. I think he's over 1,500 yards um, of scrimmage yards this year. So he's definitely made up his his ground there in, in, in the receiving game and been a big factor in that offense. I want to see how the Bears can limit him. They're going to have to get pressure on Eli Manning, make life difficult for Eli Manning all game long. Don't let Odell or Barkley beat you. Make Eli Manning throw to his other targets, Sterling Shepard and whoever God knows who's going to play tight end for them um, come Sunday. But don't, you know, I'd like to see how they're going to match up with Barkley, what they do, what scheme Vic Fangio is going to have for the dynamic rookie in Barkley. And if, if the Bears can do that, I really like their chances, especially if they can get a good pass rush on Eli Manning. As for a score, um, 
Man, I see. Part of me thinks it's going to be a low-scoring game just because Daniel will be starting, and I don't like the the Giants' offense very much. Um, I'm going to call for the score. I'm going to say 17-13 Bears. Uh, I think they get a late touchdown. I'm going to say they're going to get a rushing touchdown, kind of build off what you said with the run game. Uh, Jordan Howard pushes it in. 17-13 Bears. They go to 9-3 and for their upcoming matchup against the Rams. A primetime matchup against the Rams. They're in primetime once again following the Giants game. So that'll be interesting to see. And I'll be watching a lot of the uh, playoff picture this week to see what how everything falls and goes down. Yeah, I feel like this, this game, and I, and I don't mean to overlook anything, uh, but I, I feel like this, this, this Giants game is kind of the getting over the hump into the really, really fun part of the season where you're going to be playing better teams with more on the line, uh, you know, assuming Trubisky's going to be back by that point. So it's it's kind of one of those things, at least for me, it's just kind of getting over that hump, okay? You know, you play that one. I I, I don't know. I'm weird right now. I, I don't want to see these easy win games or these bad teams playing against the Bears. Uh, but it's, it, I, I do think that this game is going to be closer than it should be just because the Chase Daniel factor. I do think they'll win. Obviously, we just... It's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to next weekend, but obviously we we got to get through this weekend first, and hopefully they can get out with a win. Nine and three, uh, especially with these upcoming few games, man, that's huge. And I think that really sets them up very, very, very well moving forward, especially when you're talking, you know, hosting a home playoff game for the first time since 2010, man, in the first division. God, it's been forever. It is, man. So it's that's awesome. I mean, this is this is what we have to look forward to, guys. I mean, this is. We're getting the meat and potatoes of the season, and things are about to start getting really fun. Yeah, let's hope the Bears can keep it more interesting and and give us at least a playoff game. I really, I really want to cover a playoff game. I want to do a podcast about a playoff game. Um, I want to write about a playoff game. Right. Everything, everything about a playoff game. I just, I, I want it, and I want to see it. I want to experience it. And I think, I think we're. I think we're well on our way. I, I'm very confident, and I'm usually a person that thinks about jinxing a lot, and I'm very confident that this is going to be the Bears' year where they at least get in the playoffs. I hope you're right, Aaron. Um, yeah, once again, man, thanks for joining me. That was another great podcast. Um, I hope the listeners are going to enjoy it. And uh, where can they follow you on Twitter again? You can find me at Aaron Lemming, NFL 1M and Lemming. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's, I, I tweet way too much. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson, P-E-A-R-S-O-N. And you can always read our work at The Bear Report. Check us out on the forums. Uh, give us a listen, rate it, review it, do whatever you have to do. Enjoy and uh, go Bears.